This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 34-inch. On this episode, we wrap up 2019, and we talk to Devo Spice, as well as Derwood Bowen and Chad Kelson. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Merry Christmas, Ethan. Merry Christmas, Dave. And happy Hanukkah. Oh, happy Hanukkah, Ethan. And happy holidays. Happy holidays, Dave. And happy Honda days. Happy Honda days. And happy Festivus. Happy Festivus, Dave. And happy Weasel Stomping Day. Happy Weasel Stomping Day, Ethan. And happy Rusev Day. Happy Rusev Day, Dave, and happy Hanukkah, but spelled with a C. Happy Hanukkah, but spelled with a C, and season's greetings. Season's greetings, Dave. Ethan, where's my present? Dave, we decided not to exchange presents this year, remember? I knew you'd be upset if I didn't get you anything, so I lined up not one, not two, not four, but three great guests this week. All three of our guests... We're in one way or another inspired by Al to create music and give back to the Al and the funny music community. Oh, that's so cool. That is just exactly what I wanted, and it's in my size, too. I couldn't ask for a better gift. Thank you, Ethan. You're welcome. We'll get to the guest shortly, but first, did you see Al on Conan last week? I did see Al on Conan last week. Did you see Al on Conan last week? I sure did. I was kind of expecting a big announcement, and it turns out there was a big announcement. (laughs) There were several big announcements. (laughs) I mean, the biggest announcement, I was blown away. Weird Al is selling t-shirts on his website. www.weirdal.com as it flashed on the screen a hundred (laughs) times. I bought my in 3D throwback shirt back when it came out originally, but after all that promotion, I really want to get another one. (laughs) Well, they're available on www.weirdal.com. <laughs> I did notice during the interview, I ran to the website and they had updated it to put that as the first thing when you go to it. So I hope, <laughs> I hope they sold some good ones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first thing I noticed was that suit, that incredibly <laughs> awesome suit that he was wearing. <laughs> I was surprised there was no... Hawaiian shirt? It was just the crazy suit. I thought that was a great look. <laughs> yeah, and Conan thought it was a great look as well. <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> do you think Conan, like, do you think his sponsors provided that? Or do you think Al brought that? Or do you think Al has just a million crazy suits? I think Al just has that suit just in his closet. <laughs> just waiting for the opportunity to bring it out. <laughs> I would love to see Al's closet someday. <laughs> it has got to be the most colorful, most unique looking closet in the entire world. Yeah, it would be so cool. It's got to be just filled with Hawaiian shirts and bands. That's like all. <laughs> Maybe some crazy socks. Right. <laughs> Maybe some Weird Al socks. <laughs> Ooh. Which you can get on www.weirdal.com. I was also thrilled to see they promoted the Gallery 1988 show. I know, and it was so perfectly timed because that was the episode that we put out the very next day. Yes. It's almost like it was like planned like that. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this, Dave. Since you weren't actually at the gallery like I was, 
But the samurai owl print that they showed on Conan was actually the variant print. It was not the original one from the gallery that was hanging up. So that's just a cool fun fact. You know, I was going to actually ask you about that. And I was going to ask you, do we own those other prints that were shown to? We own the one that looks like a tattoo, but the one that's a close-up of Al's face where Conan was doing the face, they did not make prints of that one. So unfortunately, we don't own that one, but maybe the artist will make them. Who knows? All right. Well, if you're the artist and you're listening to this, make those prints. <laughs> yeah, that was so cool to see that. And then, of course, Al talked about some of his favorite Christmas gifts. <laughs> Notebook paper. <laughs> College ruled. <laughs> I know. The good stuff. That was funny. If you haven't seen Al on Conan last week, go check it out. I'm sure it's on YouTube, anywhere you can find that stuff. Uh, it was really cool to see him on there. And Conan said a lot of nice things about Al in the intro. And the audience just went nuts for Al. <laughs> you're going to skip over the most important part, the Twinkie Wiener sandwich. Oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, as he's bringing it up there, I'm like, oh, this is timely because this is the first year that I've ever had a Twinkie Wiener sandwich. <laughs> and today, the release of 34-inch on December 25th, we are exactly one month away from our screening of UHF with Jonah Ray, where we will have Twinkie Wiener sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> you definitely got to have one. Oh, I already had mine. <laughs> but Burrito Burrito is going to be making them, so you know they're going to be good. <laughs> Are they really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I talked to them. They're going to make vegan Twinkie Wiener sandwiches. I... I'm so excited. <laughs> Will it have a piece of string cheese <laughs> substituted for the hot dog? I don't know. I, somehow <laughs> they're getting it all vegan. So we're going to have to check it out. UHF.2000inch.com for more information on tickets for our live event with Jonah Ray with a UHF 30th anniversary screening. And burrito, burrito, Twinkie Wiener sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Did you also see that Al posted something about a show on Showtime called Work in Progress? Yeah, that was really funny. It featured alternate universe Al talking about sangria. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't have Showtime, but if Al's going to be on this show, it looks hilarious. I'm going to have to get that. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you can talk about Yankaritas on next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, what a great early Christmas gift we got by having Al be on Conan and on that show. And of course, Dave, we want to wish Ruben Valtiera, our friend, and of course, the longtime keyboardist for the Weird Al Band, a very happy birthday tomorrow on December 26th. Oh, he's the new guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's only okay. been there for like 30 years or something. Okay, so. yeah, yeah. The new guy. Yeah. yeah. Yes, happy birthday, Ruben. <laughs> we love you. And speaking of Burrito Burrito, this week's episode is brought to you in part by vegan Mexican restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped in a quesadilla Burrito Burrito. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito your Burrito Burrito. Find them at burritosquared.com and at Burrito Squared on Instagram. And remember, not every burrito is a Burrito Burrito Burrito, but every Burrito 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 can be Burrito Burritoed. And every Burrito Burrito can be Twinkie Wiener sandwiched as well. <laughs> <laughs> Only on January 25th at Proctor's in Schenectady. <laughs> Although it would be amazing if they made a Twinkie Wiener sandwich burrito a mainstay on their menu. That would be pretty cool. 
I don't know if anyone would buy it, but it would be cool. <laughs> I would drive all the way up to Troy, New York just to buy that. <laughs> Every lunch break. <laughs> Every chance I got. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Ethan, let's bring on guest number one. We are thrilled to be talking to someone with multiple number one songs on the Dr. Demento show. He's a regularly touring, regularly recording amazing comedy musician please welcome devo spice what's up guys how you doing hey hey i heard we caught you on laundry day so it's all good you caught yeah it, it, <laughs> i have three kids it's always laundry day <laughs> oh man devo it's so great to have you on the podcast well it's great to be here you're someone we've wanted to have on for a while i mean definitely in the comedy music community you are considered a legend you you know you've been uh, around for so many years. You've you're a regular in the Doctor Demento show, and you know certainly in the world of Weird Al, there's a number of connections you have to Weird Al and your music and mm -hmm. and past conventions, and and so we want to cover all of it. And we're we're so happy to have you on. Sure, yeah. Um, but first, I just wanted to mention you and I in the past year we've actually performed together twice, which has been so cool and a great honor. We did. That was a lot of fun, and uh, both of them were up by you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't have to drive as far as you did for either right. of those. But... <laughs> yeah, we did uh, the show with uh, TV's Kyle, and then uh, the other show was at Dorn Space, which is I, I really like that venue. That's a cool place. It's a cool place. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed doing shows there, and and yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was great to meet you officially at both those shows, and I hope that we'll get to do some more. It was yeah. really fun. I'm always up for I was up for uh, any, any place that'll have me. You know, comedy music is a hard sell <laughs> at, at, at venues that it's. You know, because traditionally music venues don't want comedy and comedy clubs don't want music. So it's it's a challenge to find a place that'll have us. Yeah, it, it is weird. I mean, and people will give me crap because I primarily listen to comedy music. Like when I'm just enjoying myself and listening to my iPhone, it's comedy music. And people are like, why don't you have, you know, this and this? It's like, I, I like comedy music. So yeah, I'm the same way. We need more people like us out there. <laughs> You know, it's it's my main genre of, you know, my main go-to genre when I listen to stuff, so. Now, Dave, I actually don't know if you you know this, but the, the last time Devo and I were at a show together, I actually performed uh, on one of his songs live. I did not know that. What song did you perform on? <laughs> so, in his new CD, in his new album, The Anarchist Joke Book, he has three stupid rap battles. Okay. And I rap battled him, and I was Florida, and he was the frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> I practiced those lyrics for hours, and I was reading them <laughs> on stage, and that was still tough, and it was tough to go as fast. And, man, Devo is just, like, he's on it. He has everything... <laughs> memorized perfectly <laughs> it's so impressive because... yeah you did a good job thank you please tell me there's audio or video of this that exists <laughs> there, there is, is. Right. there is right. video yeah <laughs> we'll see uh we'll have to get that online <laughs> what i think is most impressive devo you're not just doing comedy music you're doing comedy rap music yeah you know this is not just stuff you're doing in post to speed it up like you on stage are rapping very fast, very complicated words. I mean, some songs are very nerdy with very specific nerdy words, and you're getting them out, and they're rhyming, and they're hilarious. You know, how did you get into rap, essentially? Um, well, I, I grew up in the 80s, and, and rap was the first style of music I ever really liked. 
my cousins uh, moved in with us when I was a kid, and they were into you know the the nasty, dirty rock and roll and the MTV and stuff like that. And I wanted nothing to do with them, <laughs> so I stayed away from all of that stuff until much later. But I remember hearing, um, I want to say it was a Grandmaster Flash song on the radio back in the early 80s, like 82 or something like that. And just standing there staring at the radio, fascinated that this guy was just going and going and going and seemed like not breathing. <laughs> and it was, the music right. was funky. <laughs> and I just, I was so fascinated by it. So I, I started you know, seeking out more and more of, of, of that stuff. And eventually I learned it was called rap music. And eventually I learned that if I could go to the record store and look at the track list, any, any album by a black artist, if there was a, a song title that had the word rap in it, I would buy it. And because there was no, <laughs> you know, awesome. <laughs> there was no rap section of the music store at the time. Um, and for your younger listeners, there used to be music stores where you could go buy music. <laughs> buy music. Um, so I had to like seek out, you know, a lot of times it was classified under R&B. So I would, I would troll the R&B section looking for anything that looked like it might be a hip hop act. Um, yeah. And I found some good wow. stuff that way. I think people take for granted you have Spotify and YouTube and, and iTunes. It's it's really easy to find very yeah. specific genres. But when, it sounds like when you were getting into it, it, you know, there's no Google search. There's no right. Amazon recommendations. It's, yeah. That's amazing that you, you know, really had to go all out. It makes perfect sense, your influences, when I, I hear your stuff. Yeah, and as a kid, I was always into comedy. You know, I, I was always I, – I used to, you know – run around the school in elementary school singing songs that would get kids expelled these days because they were, you know, <laughs> but, but they were funny. Um, and so as a kid, you know, anytime, you know, my, my whole family knew that I was into weird, funny music. So because I, I had like a, a 45 of like uh, the Battle of New Orleans, which I thought had, you know, had some funny lines in it. And so I used to play that a lot. And there was some old like Sesame Street record called ABCDEF, which was just big bird singing the alphabet as if it was a word it was like or something like that and, <laughs> and i thought i was like this is really funny so i would listen to that so anytime my my family came across anything that was funny they would share it with me and that was my actually my first exposure to weird al was my cousin called me out on the back porch because they were watching some music video show on some crappy uhf station in connecticut and she was like, Tom, you have to see this. And I, I came out there and there is Weird Al singing Ricky. It's the, the video for Ricky. Wow. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I watched it. I'm like, this is awesome. You know? <laughs> and then my mother wow, pulled out an old crazy. Alan Sherman record and played for Swingin' Livers Only for me. And that was it. I was sold. I had gone off the deep <laughs> yeah. end. Like, you know. Ethan, I don't know if you know this, but I did see Devo Spice perform as well. And this was at the Alcons, because you performed at all three of the Alcons, is right, Steve? I did all three Alcons, yes. Yeah. Which were I was at all three of them as well. Much fun. Yeah. Now, tell us a little bit about that, because those days were like three of my favorite days. Yeah, me too. Those are uh, th those were just amazing events. Yeah, so what happened was uh, Amanda had started planning it. Uh, this was back in the Usenet days and alt music Weird Al and Rec Music Dementia. I had I, At the time, I had had a couple of songs played on the Dr. Demento show, but nothing more than like 
once. So, you know, I, I wasn't known, but but I was like, I wonder if I can perform here if I tell Amanda, you know, that I've been on the Dr. Demento show. And, and I managed to weasel my way into the show in 1998. <laughs> and by sheer coincidence, that was right around the time I had my first big hit on the Dr. Demento show. Uh, in 1998, I did a song about South Park called South Park Junkie. I used to perform under the group named Sudden Death. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you look up the old Sudden Death songs, that's all me. So, you know, I wasn't sure what to perform. And Amanda had said, oh, you should definitely perform the Psychic Enemies Network because that's been on the Dr. Demento show. And I was like, okay, sure. So I did that. And then I forgot what else I did. And then I ended with, with South Park Junkie, which like the week before was number one on the Dr. Demento Funny Five. So, Whoa. I mean, the, the timing was perfect. It couldn't have gone better. So then once I performed in, in 98, when Amanda did the, you know, 2000 and 2002 shows, it was much easier to get on the show because then I had a funny five right. hit and, you right. know, and, and people were, people knew who I was a little bit better. So it was easier. Yeah, people are demanding you make your return. <laughs> yep. And I, I decided I had to have something to sell at Alcon. So I, I made sure to get my, my then new album unplugged done in time and i was, was up all night the night before burning cds and this was in 1998 <laughs> when you know cd burners were like 700 dollars, and right. you know the blank discs were like three dollars a piece and, right yeah wow yeah i don't know if i picked it up at alcon but i did end up with a copy of unplugged at some point i don't remember if i okay. got it at alcon or not and i'm glad that you brought that up because on that album you do have a song which is very al related it also has South Park Junkie on it, but it has cover of Al's Happy Birthday. Yes, which was um, for the uh, first Weird Al tribute album, Prosthetic Lips. I don't remember who put oh, that nice. together, but oh, uh, I did the album art. Oh, you did the album art for that. Uh, yeah, that, okay. that that like weird caricature of right, the big ball right, of hair yeah. playing the accordion. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was a painting I did. So I originally, when they first started submitting this, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a, a hip hop polka medley. And... So I did one and I submitted it to the uh, the compilation and they rejected it because they what? specifically wanted either a cover of a song by Al or a song about Al, not something that was like tangentially Al related. So I was like, ah, okay. so so then I went back and I did Happy Birthday and submitted that and they and they included that. And then I had to contact Bermuda and I'm like, what do I have to do legally to get put this song on my album? And that's how I found out about mechanical licenses and stuff. It's been a learning experience for the past 30 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> So you're saying the the hip hop medley exists somewhere? It does exist somewhere. Yes, it's it's called the House Party Polka, and it's not very good, but it's it's um, <laughs> it's amusing to listen to because it's like, you know, it's all keyboards and accordion with hip hop lyrics done over a polka beat. <laughs> and I, I mean, really want to hear that. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a copy. It, it works for what okay, it okay. is, but it's it, it's not like a good song by any means <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so cool though <laughs> i i want to go back a little bit i want to hear how you actually got started so we heard how you got into comedy music what actually got you on stage for the first time or actually recording and writing music for the first time i remember uh we were in middle school and you know in the mid 80s and i had i just wanted to do a rap group of some kind and <laughs> So I was on the bus with my friends, Dave and Scott, and I turned to them and I said, Hey, you want to form a rap group? And they said, sure. And that was that. <laughs> um, I never the rest stopped. History. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're long gone, but I never stopped. That's literally how it happened. So we spent a year and a half trying to get our stuff together and just, just 
trying to figure out how we can record, how we can write songs, how we were going to divide up the work and everything. And it just didn't go well. And then finally, about a year and a half later, we got together and recorded our first song. And the guys didn't want to do comedy, but I wanted to do comedy. So the first song I wrote was a parody of uh, an obscure Run DMC song called Perfection, uh, called Infection. And we had no you know, music, we had no equipment to record with no instruments or anything. So we got, I borrowed my mother's boom box and, uh, I sat down on the floor, did some beatboxing sounds while Dave and Scott did the rap for, for, uh, infection. And that was our first song. Um, wow. and it's, you know, over time I, I was doing more and more of the work. Um, I, I always envisioned sudden death, uh, and, and I always hated that name. That was, the name was Dave's idea. Um, <laughs> but I, I stuck with it because I couldn't, I never came up with anything better. Um, but I always envisioned us acting kind of like a digital underground where you have, you know, your main rapper was shock G and then you had Humpty hump to come in to do the atomic relief. And then you had money B and, and MC blowfish and Tupac Shakur and a couple other people just coming in, in the background here and there to help out on individual songs. That's how I always envisioned sudden death working. And it just never happened. It, it, Within a couple of years, the songs ended up being mostly me doing both the music and, and the vocal. And um, then the other guys just kind of, you know, came in and out as needed. You know, if I needed another vocalist, I got, you know, Dave or, or Steve or Jeff or one of the other guys. Uh, if I needed help with music, I had a guy I worked with named Tom, another Tom in the group. And But mostly it was, I just called on them for background vocals here and there. I kept the name Sudden Death for far far too long i i should have dropped that <laughs> years ago and so when did you become devo spice well i was always devo spice but i was devo spice of sudden death oh okay so yeah the sudden death was just the was the group name and I, my rap name was devo spice and then the, dave was mc squared scott was box i knock <laughs> tom was the professor jeff was Boshead. <laughs> Uh, we had another guy named Walter who came in. He was ace for a while. Uh, it, it wasn't until I picked the worst possible timing, but it was uh, 2008. I finally decided to drop the name Sudden Death. And the, that was the worst timing because 2007 was an epic year for me on the Dr. Demento show. Oh, man. So it was like at the height of my popularity. I'm like, I need to rebrand myself. But it, it, it was coming to a head. It, were, it got to the point where I was performing more and more often. And I was still billing myself as sudden death, a group. And I'd show up at the events and it would be just me. And that was confusing right. for both the bookers and for the audience. And the other issue that came up was there's sudden death is not exactly an uncommon name as far as bands go. Right. So there were several other mostly heavy metal bands called sudden death. <laughs> and I was starting to get people are showing up. <laughs> yeah. Well, nobody showed up look, expecting them, but like okay. I was getting like, you know, there were iTunes reviews of people who were like, is this the same band that did that other? It sounds totally different. I'm like, no, it's not the same band. You know, there was actually a right. death metal band from Florida called Sudden Death who friended me on MySpace back in the day. And <laughs> and they messaged me and they were like, oh, man, I love what you're doing. I love what you know, totally worthy of the name Sudden Death. And I was like, yes, we should go on tour together. You know. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so, but, you know, it, it got to the point where it was just confusing from a marketing and branding perspective. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to drop the name Sudden Death. I'm just going to go forth as Devo Spice, solo rapper. I'll still call on the guys, whoever, you know, whoever can back me up, whoever wants to back me up. Um, but uh, it, it, it was time. It, it was long overdue. But it, it was it was finally got to the point where I just couldn't go on anymore as Sudden Death. 
so 2007 was your biggest year because you had the number one song on Dr. Demento that year. Not only that, that was not the first time I had the number one song. The first time I had the number one song was 2005 with Inner Voice. What happened in 2007 was I had the number one song of the year, the number two song of the year, the number four song of the year, and I was featured (laughs) on song number five. (laughs) So four of the top five songs were basically me. And the only reason I didn't have... One, two, and three was because uh, Robert Lund's song, 99 Words for Boobs, at the last possible minute got enough points to knock me out of the third <laughs> But from, like, July through December, I had one, two, and three, like, locked in. Wow. So it was a perfect time to rebrand yourself, as you said. Yeah, it was It was actually the best time to rebrand yeah. because, you know, nobody knew who I was or anything. <laughs> well, isn't that kind of what Prince did? Prince rebranded himself a few times and worked out for him in the end, right? He had the, uh, you know, the backing of a record label and, and millions of oh, dollars yeah. of marketing behind him. So. <laughs> Plus the fact he changed his name to something stupid that nobody would ever forget. So everyone knew it was him, right. you know. <laughs> Now, you mentioned also that, you know, obviously this wasn't the first time you've been on Dr. Demento. You were on Dr. Demento before Alcon. What was your first song that was on Dr. Demento? Uh, the very first song was called I'm Bored, uh, which was played in April of 1990. And uh, it was inspired by a true story. Um, back in 1989, I grew up in Trumbull, Connecticut, and the Trumbull Little League team beat Taiwan to win the World Series. And... It was a big deal. They were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, you know, it was it was it was a huge deal. Um, so me and Dave went to uh, the, the Trumbull High School to celebrate at the you know that they had this big like homecoming for the uh, for the team. So the the principal gets up on stage and he he talks for about twenty minutes, and then the first selectman of Trumbull gets up on stage and talks for about twenty minutes, and then the governor gets up on stage and talks for about twenty minutes. It was the most boring <laughs> thing we had ever been. <laughs> And, you know, hours later when the team finally showed up and came out, we were cheering and that was fun and that was great and everything. But in the meantime, Dave and I are just standing there going, I'm so bored. I am so (laughs) bored. And we basically improvised a song called I'm Bored. And we we came up with how it was going to work and... Uh, it's it's got kind of a different structure than our normal songs because it's got like three lines and then just the word I'm bored. <laughs> so it, it worked out really great. So we we wrote like four of the six verses that night and memorized them so that we could, could write it down when we got home because this was long before the days of, of, you know, cell phones or anything. And I wasn't carrying right. a notepad or anything. <laughs> so that night when we got home, it was like one in the morning. Um, I scribbled down the lyrics in the notebook. The following morning, I pulled out my keyboard and did some music. And then I called up Dave and Scott and I was like, we need to record this like immediately. And so they came over like around lunchtime and we pounded out two more verses and recorded the song and got it done. So that that song from concept to completion was less than 24 hours. And this was 1989. So in my basement, 1989, we we pounded this out. So I I sent the recording to Dr. Demento. Um, He sent me back a letter saying he loved it. He actually called it a masterpiece, but he said the recording quality wasn't good enough to air. And could we do another take and, you know, see if we could improve the quality a little bit. So I had the guys come over and we re-recorded it in a different environment. Now, the way we recorded at the time, you have to picture this, okay? It's three, you know, 14, 15-year-old kids in the basement with a boombox and a stereo. 
And what, what I did was uh, the boombox had a, just an open air microphone. You just put a tape in, hit record, and then talk, and it records everything in the room. So what I did was I hit record on the boombox and then played the music on the keyboard. So I wasn't even using any wires or anything. I'm just playing into the microphone onto this tape. Oh, wow. <laughs> so then I took that tape and I put it in the stereo behind us and hit play. And then I put another tape <laughs> in the boom box and hit record. And then we would sit on the floor in front of the boom box and wrap into the boom box. And that's how we did it. You know, because that's that is all we had. Amazing. It's amazing. So for the re-recording, we went upstairs to the living room and I used my mother's uh, stereo, which was a better, better sounding stereo. We did the same thing, wrapping into the boombox, and then this time I actually sent the master tape to Dr. Demento rather than sending him a copy, figuring that that might sound, you know, at least we don't have a generation loss with the tape. So, so I sent yeah. him that, and he said, "This is this is good enough to air. I'm going to air it." And he played it in uh, in April of 1990, and then sent me. I, this was amazing. He sent me the record pressing of that show. So oh, I, cool. I still have the record of the Dr. Demento show from April of 1990. I forget exactly what the date was, but it's got my song on it. And that's the one and only time that I have been on on wax. That is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. Wow. And that recording process is much like how Ethan and I do it today. <laughs> <laughs> now, I wanted to talk about when you perform live. I was so impressed uh, the first and second time I saw you. You have a video projector, you have a screen, mm -hmm. and there are videos that play during your mm -hmm. songs. And it's just, you know, the amount of time that goes into that and how great they are and how much they add to the performance is amazing. I'm, I'm wondering, when did you start that? Was that something... Once you became a solo Devo Spice, or was that something you were doing as Sudden Death? I, I was still doing it as Sudden Death. That actually dates back to Alcon. So at Alcon 98, um, I asked Al, because Al made a surprise appearance. He showed up, for those of you who don't know. Um, I asked him if he'd be willing to do a mock interview with me to tell me, you know, just, just saying how much he hated uh, my cover of Happy Birthday, just because I thought it would be funny. <laughs> So we did, he was very gracious. We did it and it, I still have the tape and it's fantastic. And then, so in, at Alcon 2000, I was like, all right, I'm going to perform happy birthday and I'm going to show that clip. <laughs> so I opened my performance of happy birthday with Al saying, you know, I have heard sudden death's version of happy birthday. And, you know, I don't like to say anything bad about anyone, but it just sucks. I mean, and I'm being kind. It's the worst piece of crap I've ever heard. In fact, this interview's over, and then he covers the camera with his hand. It's it's brilliant. So I oh I God. screened that, and then went right into Happy Birthday. And I can't remember if I had. I don't think I had videos for uh, the other songs on that at that performance. I think that was the only clip I showed. But that was when I decided that I wanted to have video for all of my songs. So I looked into how to do it. Originally, I was using my laptop and I wrote a program in Director, which allowed me to have different song files, you know, a different song file for each song. And then I can do custom animations in Director or just shoot a video or whatever. And then the I had like a set list program, which allowed me to reorganize the songs into whatever order I wanted to play them. And that's how I operated for a while. And uh, over time, as technology improved and I got better at things, I was able to downsize my my setup. So, because originally I had a, this this giant like four foot by two foot box that housed my laptop and the projector and all the wiring and stuff inside. Um, eventually, I moved on to a Mac Mini, and then eventually I moved on to just an iPod. 
which is what I'm using now. The nice thing about Director was I could actually, you know, program some of the animations so things would be random. Uh, I have a song called Reign of Error, which is about computer issues. And at the end of the song, I show a screenshot of my website and it starts randomly filling in squares of distortion. And when I was using Director, it was actually random square. So, you know, no two performances were exactly yeah. alike. Oh, cool. Now that I'm just using my iPod, it has to be a video. So I can't do the randomness anymore. I have considered, like, writing my own mobile app so I could go back to the randomness, but I don't think it's worth the effort. So I'm just, I'm just sticking with videos now. Right. <laughs> well, it's, it's, really, it's really fun. I, anyone listening who has a chance to see you, I highly recommend it. it it's such a fun performance. Thank you. Of course, the downside is that if I want to perform a new song, I have to make a video for it now. I can't just you know, get up and perform a new song. Right. So it's like three times the work to, to do a right. live show now. So your newest album is The Anarchists. I, I keep wanting to say Antichrist. The Anarchist <laughs> Joke Book. And on that, you have the song that you and I performed, Frying Pan versus Florida. Uh, but you right. also have a song called Spider Verses. Tell us about Spider Verses. It is so cool. Spider Verses was kind of my Hail Mary song for the album um, because I love the movie Into the Spider Verse so very, very much. It's it's yeah. one of my favorite movies of probably the past decade. Yeah. Um, it just it blew me away. I saw it in the theater like three times. Uh, I own the Blu-ray. It's, I've watched it a dozen times. It's just an amazing piece of work. Such a fantastic story. It's so well done. So as I was finishing up the album the phrase spider verses popped into my head as like, Oh man, I could do like a group jam of have different rappers, each doing a verse about, you know, into the spider verse and each one being a different character from, from the movie. And I, I, I thought about that for a couple of days. And, but the problem was I had like a week and a half until my deadline uh, in order to, to get the album out when I needed it. And I was like, I don't know if I can pull off a big group jam in a week and a half. <laughs> so, but I was like, you know what, damn it, I'm going to try. So I, I, I planned it out and I, I tried to figure out, you know, who was going to be who on the song. And I was like, okay, well, insane Ian is a huge Spider-Man fan. If I don't invite him to be on the song, he's never going to speak to me again. Um, <laughs> You know, same thing with Luke Ski. He's got the thing. I'm like, okay, well, TV's Kyle will definitely be up for uh, being uh, Peter Porker, the animator, right, you know, the like little right. big one, because he's he's an animator. That's what he does. Right. He's the creator right. of Mighty Magiswords. And it was funny when I when I I emailed him. I was like, hey, you want to be on a big group jam about Into the Spider Verse, and you can take the Peter Porker verse. And he he just replied back in all caps, yes, please. Um, <laughs> so I knew he was on board. The one thing I wanted to make sure was I didn't like whitewash the the song so i wanted to have somebody i know uh, miles morales is half black half puerto rican and i was like i don't know if i can find any half black half puerto rican <laughs> right nerdcore rappers but but i was like i don't want to just you know give this to a white rapper to play miles morales i'm like i don't want to whitewash the song so um, i i contacted one rapper who wasn't available he put me in touch with a guy named creative mind frame who fits the bill and he did it he did a knockout job as miles morales so it's the song starts out with me as the original peter parker who you know spoiler dies in the uh in the beginning <laughs> of the film then it goes into miles morales who's creative mind frame aka one up then we do peter b parker which is insane ian and then we do spider gwen uh, which is Bonnie Gordon of the Library Bards. And then we do Peter Porker, the Amazing Spider-Ham, which is TV style. And then we do Penny Parker, who is Lex the Lexicon artist. And again, I didn't want to whitewash it. I needed a female Asian rapper 
Uh, so I got right. Lex. And then uh, Spider Noir, uh, we ended with the great Luke Ski. It just, that just kind of fell to him. That's so cool. I wrote my verse and I wrote Spider Gwen's verse. And other than that, the rest of the song, the artist who performs the song, wrote their verse. That's so cool. For the music, I had a friend of mine, Chris Mazzalesta of Power Salad, recreate the sample from the original 1960s, 1970s TV show, whenever that show was on. That dun, 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 dun thing. <laughs> and the... And, the basic beat that goes along with it and then i so i was able to sample that i added some effects to it so that it sounded like it was being recorded off of an old you know 19 inch black and white tv um and then uh at, put it into my my dj controller so i could scratch it and mix it and that was the music so and it surprisingly came together in a week and a half and we got it done and it sounded great and it's probably my favorite song on the album and it's currently the most requested song of the year on the dr demento show so awesome yeah unless something drastic happened with the requests over the past month or so uh it's going to be number one when the funny 25 hits which i am so excited about <laughs> it's gonna be so cool that's I can't great yeah and i'm working on a music video for it <laughs> oh so you can perform it live no no no. i have a stage video to, so we can perform it the problem with performing this one is getting the seven of us on stage at the same time <laughs> right right, right. <laughs> so the best we've done is five uh, we okay. were able to get everyone except Creative Mind Frame and Lex. So what I did was I had them record videos of them performing their parts. Oh, uh, cool. So I, so I have the I have a stage video that I can use with the other five of us and then the two of them up on on the video. Congrats on that. That is, yeah, that is such a cool song. You. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm really happy with that song. And don't think you're gonna get away without talking about the song. <laughs> oh, of course not. <laughs> I wouldn't dream of it. For people who are not familiar with what the Fump is, can you tell us what the Fump is? The Fump is the Funny Music Project. Um, it was the brainchild of Rob Balder. Uh, basically what happened was uh, I was at a, a convention in Pittsburgh along with Rob Balder and Jonathan Colton. This was back when uh, Colton was doing his thing a week project. He was still in the middle of it. Yeah. And Rob is a web comics author who is big in the free content model. Uh, web comics, the idea is you put your content up on the web for free for anyone to view. And then once you build an audience, you then monetize the audience with merchandise. You have, you sell books of the comic, you sell t-shirts of the comic or whatever, and you accept donations. There's all kinds of ways to monetize it once you have an audience. So the three of us had a panel and nobody showed up. So we spent the hour, just the three of us talking and Rob was basically grilling Colton about what he was doing with this thing week project. <laughs> and, he realized that Colton had taken the webcomics free content model and successfully applied it to music. And so Rob said, we should be able to do that. And he contacted uh, Tom Smith and uh, Shoebox of Worm Quartet and eventually me and got us all involved. And the idea being that we would put out a new comedy song twice a week for free as a Creative Commons uh, you know, free download and then try to build an audience and then monetize the audience. And uh, he got me involved because he knew I could get things done <laughs> and he knew I was, you know, I'm a web developer, so I could, I could get the website up and running. Basically that's what happened is I, I kind of took over the day-to-day -day operations and I'm still running the day-to-day -day operations of the site. We've been going since January of 2007. I'm currently working on volume 78 of our compilation albums. Wow. So we've been doing at least two songs a week. Occasionally we throw in a third one, you know, since 2007. So we have almost 1500 songs on the site right now that you can go and listen to. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So we, the way it works is we put out a new song every Tuesday and Friday. And then, you know, if there's something timely or an artist really wants a song up soon, we will give them a Sunday slot or sometimes another day. And then at the end of every other month, we put out a compilation album. 
which we sell. We have uh, subscriptions. The songs are originally a free a free download, but it's a 128k MP3. Um, if you you can buy a higher quality MP3 download of the individual songs, or you can get a subscription, which will let you download all the songs on the site. And then there's a level two subscription, which gets you the not only all the downloads, but the compilation albums as they come out. I just mail them out to the subscribers every other month. So that's how we've monetized the site. We also have some other merchandise. We, we occasionally put together some other compilations uh, around themes. So we have, we have two Christmas with the Fump uh, compilations. <laughs> we have a Halloween with the Fump compilation. Um, we've talked about some other like pirate songs and other things like that, uh, like not like a Valentine's Day, stuff like, you know. Uh, but those are the ones we've done right now. Some of my favorite compilations are called Inside Jokes of the Fump, where we have like songs that reference other songs or, you know, <laughs> things like that. And And those were done as a joke on April Fool's Day because – what we do is uh, every we, every month we put out a, a newsletter that just goes out to our, our the people who sign up on the website to receive it. Yeah. And some time ago, we started putting out a joke one on April Fool's Day. And a couple of years ago, it was either Luke's idea or Lee Seitz, who's, who's our newsletter editor. They said we should make, because we used to make up like fake fump compilations, you know, and <laughs> just, just just for the, for the, for the April right. Fool's Day. So one year we did Inside Jokes of the Fump, and, and they told me like, actually put this up in the store and if anyone orders it on april 1st we'll actually make them a cd and send it to them so we did and we sold seven copies so there are <laughs> there are seven copies of inside jokes of the fump out there <laughs> wait so you recorded all these songs just for those seven no people? they're all real songs they're, they're all songs that were on the fump already we just had to put oh, them okay. together and put okay. them on cd <laughs> okay <laughs> Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, because we, we have a habit of uh, of doing inside jokes. So the, the, the easiest example is we have we have an internal mailing list for the artists, and I send out a schedule reminder every Monday just saying, hey, these are the songs that are coming up in the next two weeks. Are you guys going to be ready? If not, let me know. We'll shuffle things around. So one day I was sending out this email. It was a song by Dinsane and followed by TV's Kyle. So I'm, I sent out, and I, I just generally write, like, you know, Luke, are you good? your song so i wrote ian are you good and then i wrote kyle are you ian and then i wrote you know whatever the last one was that the, i think the last song was posted and i knew i had done it but i was still i was in a weird mood so i just kept it <laughs> so i sent it out and then so of course ian responds um did you know that you wrote that i'm like yeah but i'm just i was in a weird mood so <laughs> a, a couple of weeks later tv's kyle and insane ian are, are in a side project called scooter picnic there's a scooter picnic song on the fump called Kyle, are you Ian? And <laughs> I started laughing. I was like, okay, so we should, we, so that's a thing now. So then I had slot coming up and I didn't have a song ready. And I was chatting with a uh, shoebox of warm quartet and he and I have very similar lives as we, our lives run, seem to run in parallel for a, a lot of things. And I was joking. I jokingly said, uh, we should do a parody of that called Devo, are you shoebox? <laughs> and and I was like, you know what? We absolutely have to do that. So now there, there was a song on the Fump called Devo, Are You Shoebox? And that led to like a whole bunch of others. There's, there's uh, Luke, Are You Carrie on the Fump. There were like three or four on the on the Fump sideshow. Oh, my gosh. The sideshow is a community area where anyone can go and upload their songs. Oh, cool. um, so there, there were two or three of uh, like, other additional parodies of Kyle, are you Ian on the pump sideshow? 
So we, we joked about having, uh, you know, Thump, Are You Okay? parody, you know, compilation album of just the, <laughs> you know, those songs. I love that. <laughs> so, so yeah, Inside Jokes of the Thump, I forget whether it was volume one or volume two. There were like four of those songs on it. <laughs> That's great. Wow. So the Thump has turned into so many amazing things in the past what uh, 12 years that you've you've had it yeah 12 years i guess now we've had since since we launched uh the number one song of the year on the dr demento show has been a thump song every year except 2018 whoa so yeah so 2007 it was me with cellular degeneration and then you just every year if you look at their year-end countdown the number one song was a thump song and then last year we got beat out by brack i think it was a was a brack it was a weird out crap i forget (laughs) i forget i need to look it up now all right, well, we'll look, <laughs> look it up after. I wanted to mention, so the Fump Fest is this yearly festival surrounded by Fump musicians. Yes, very early on uh, with the Fump, we decided, we, we had talked about having our own convention. And I was like, no, there's no way. We're not going to get a lot of people to show up. It's going to be a, a huge you know, time sink, a huge money sink. It's, it's, it's never going to work. And I was, I was, I wanted to do it, but I knew what went into it. And I was like, there's no way that this is going to happen. And then in um, 2012, the great Luke ski did a Kickstarter campaign and uh, he was trying to raise like $1,200 or something like that. And he reached his goal easily. And then he set a ridiculous uh, stretch goal of like (laughs) $5,500 or something like that. And he said, if he reached his stretch goal, he would throw a private party called Luke Ski Con, where it would just be like a little private convention, kind of like Alcon. And he managed to reach his goal. And in 2013, <laughs> we had Luke Ski Con, which was just, it was a single room at, at a hotel that Luke rented for the day. Um, and I went out and performed and Worm Quartet performed and Ian was there and, and you know, a whole bunch of fun artists there. And it was, it was, it was a fun time. And, uh, as he, Luke was planning it, I saw how he was planning it, how he was doing it. And I thought, you know what? If we keep this small, if we keep this simple, we might be able to do this as a FUMP convention. So what I did was at Luke's KeyCon in 2013, I announced FUMP Fest and I took pre-orders for uh, pre-registrations for the event. Yeah. And I said, look, I don't have a hotel. I don't have a guest. I don't know when it's going to happen. <laughs> but if you want to take, if you want to uh, pre-register now, I will take your money. And if, if it ends up not happening, I will, re- I will refund your money. You know, people yeah. know they can trust me like that. And, you know, I, we pre-registered like 35 people that weekend. That's so cool. And then I had several people start volunteering to help me out, to help me run the event. Uh, one of them found a hotel room for me and, you know, we started going from there. And next thing I know, I have Dr. Demento as our guest of honor in 2014. <laughs> so 2014 was the first pump fest. And when we had Dr. Demento there, uh, 2015, we had the arrogant worms as our guest of honor. So we usually have about a dozen performing artists. And then we do a couple of panels. Like we'll do a Q and a with the guest of honor, just some, just some things to break up the music a little bit like we'll do a live podcast panel sometimes mm-hmm. 2016 we had paul and storm 2017 we had henry phillips 2018 was the four postmen and 2019 was the double clicks and so now we're we're currently planning 2020 and we are hoping to get dr demento back because 2020 is the 50th anniversary of the dr demento show wow so he he is aware of it he is on board with it we just need to secure a hotel and dates right. and everything. We're having trouble. We're having trouble finding a venue right now. 
uh, for reasons I won't get into. But but yeah, so FumpFest.com for all your FumpFest needs. And uh, so cool. be sure to join us in 2020. It's going to be awesome. There are 78 different Fump albums out there, but there are two that I want to focus on. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. <laughs> but just to follow up on your 25 from 2018, it was the Hamilton Polka by Weird Al. So you yes. can't really you know, blame that. No. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we finally, uh, we finally got bested. It was by Weird Al. We actually, the highest pump song in there was a Cirque du Soleil track uh, at number five called It's Hot as Balls Outside, uh, which is actually, it's another side project that I'm involved in. It's a sketch comedy group that I do with the great Luke Ski, uh, Chris Mezzalust of Power Salad and Shoebox of Worm Quartet. That track was written by Luke Ski because he always talks about, you know, that's It's Time for Winter to End, that poem that Dr. Demento plays yeah. periodically. Yeah, right. Yeah, Luke hates that, and he's, <laughs> he he hates how how hot it is in summer. So he wrote this he wrote this track, and uh, we made it out to Doctor Demento. Oh, that's so great! So the first of the two albums I want to talk about with the Bump is this album, appropriately enough, Bump Volume Number Twenty Seven. Mm-hmm. On that on that album, you have a song, or you guys, the whole Bump cast pretty much has a song. If I could be Weird Al. And there is a right. special guest cameo on that song. Can you yeah. Tell us a little bit about that song. So If I Could Be Weird Al was a song by uh, Money Shot Cosmonauts, which is a another side project of Spaff. Spaff is one of the greatest parody writers I've ever come across. His stuff is just absolutely brilliant. He normally works with a, uh, a singer-songwriter from Utah named Robert Lund. Uh, they're both from Utah. So on the Fump, you'll see Robert Lund and Spaff.com listed as you know in fact one of our our most popular songs ever is 99 words for boobs parody of 99 left balloons <laughs> um which was done by by spaff and robert lund so money shot cosmonauts is for songs written by staff that don't involve robert lund that's basically the explanation there so what he wanted to do for if i could be weird al was get as many people involved from the fump as possible because he knows we all look up to al so he wrote the, that parody and got probably 40 or 50 different fump acts involved. You know, we each take like a line or two. And I think what he did was he actually asked everyone to record the entire song because I know he asked me to record the entire song and then he only used like two lines of it, which is fine. I put my recording as a bonus track on one of my albums. But um, <laughs> so the song is just talking about how cool it would be to to, to be Weird Al. So he wanted to see if he could get Weird Al on the song. So he contacted Al and Al agreed to to make a recorded cameo. And the way he did it was Spaff gave Al Spaff's phone number. I believe it was at, at work actually. And and told Al just, you know, call, call it this number. I won't answer the phone. Just leave a message and I'll re- use the recording <laughs> off my voicemail. <laughs> and, you know, Spaff was there when Al called and he's like, it was so hard to not pick up the phone and talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> So wow. the song ends with Al talking about how great it would be if he was Weird Al. And he goes, wait a minute, I am Weird Al. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's so uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. And Dr. Demento makes a cameo on that song as well. So Ethan and I are collectors. So, uh, we definitely have that one in our collection. And for all the other mm-hmm. Weird Al collectors out there, that's Funk Volume 27, which he definitely Yeah, and unfortunately, the CDs are gone. I have no more of them. Right. But you can buy it uh, digitally through the store at thefump.com, or you can just buy that individual song through the site. And then the second one I want to talk about is Volume Number 70. And this one's very special to me because... 
a while back, you had asked Vicki DeVries and myself to talk about our journey to get Alistar on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And you were That's kind right, enough, yeah. and you actually had the brilliant idea that you wanted to record this video and put it out as a bonus track on that CD. So I'm very honored, and thank you for that. Oh, I was, I was happy to have you. <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah, we try to do usually a bonus video of some kind included with each Fump compilation album. You know, obviously space permitting, there's a couple of CDs that are so full, we couldn't fit anything else on them. But yeah, for, for Volume 70, uh, you know, you guys had just finally successfully gotten the, you know, Weird Al star on the Walk of Fame, which was amazing. I really wish I could have gone out there for the uh, ceremony. But I decided I wanted to interview you guys and, and use that video as the bonus content on the Fump Volume 70. So it's there. And I was, I was very happy to have you guys. Glad to do it. And there's one for all you Dave Elvis Rossi collectors to add to your collection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have every single CD you put out, Dave, in my collection. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of bonus tracks, Devo, I'd love if you could explain the the bonus CD, the bonus album situation with your newest album. Oh, sure. So when you buy the Anarchist Joke Book, you don't only get the Anarchist Joke Book. You get three additional bonus content. When it came around to putting out the Anarchist Joke Book, I looked at all the songs that I had recorded over the past few years. And I hadn't put out an album since 2014. So I had a ton of songs recorded and released. And I was like, I've got more songs than can fit on an on a on a traditional CD. Now I know these days CDs are, you know, kind of going by the wayside and people are doing things digitally. So I, I could put out an album with 57 songs on it if I wanted to, but I still like having the physical thing on my shelf. So it's just the way I am. That's how we are too. Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of people in our age group are. <laughs> so what I did was I broke it down into okay, these are the songs I definitely want on the main album. These are the songs that are going to go on the bonus album. And e either because I didn't think they were as good as the songs on the main album or they were a cover song or something, or they were written for a specific reason, like there's the, the theme song to Mer Lafferty's podcast, Ditch Diggers, is on there. So I separated the songs, and then I, I was like, you know what, I don't want my album to just be songs I've already released. So I made sure to record at, like, at least four new songs to go on on the anarchist joke book since it's a since it's a book the joke book it's not actually a book it's a cd but since it's a book uh i decided to have appendices so appendix a is the bonus tracks of you know the other songs i'd recorded for whatever reason that didn't make it onto the main album so then what i decided i wanted to do was artist commentary so i recorded myself listening to the album and talking about you know the song behind the scenes this is how this happened this is what i did here you know, I would maybe I, I wanted to do this, but, you know, we couldn't figure out a way to do it or something like that. I mean, whatever inspired the song. So it's basically just artist commentary on the tracks. So that's Appendix B, which is artist commentary on the songs on the Anarchist Joke Book. And then I was like, well, I might as well do the bonus album, too. So I, Appendix C <laughs> is artist commentary on Appendix A. <laughs> so and then I, I contemplated doing Appendix D, which would have been artist commentary on the artist commentary on Appendix B. <laughs> but I decided I didn't hate myself that much. So I just stopped there. So, so you, amazing. But when you buy the Anarchist Joke Book, you get four hours of material. So, so the way it works is... On the CD, the bonus songs, Appendix A, are on the data portion of the CD. If you're one of those people who still has a computer with a drive in it, um, <laughs> you can put it in your computer and you can hear the bonus tracks there. If not, there are download links in the liner notes for both Appendix A, B, and C. The album is also available on a USB card, uh, which is just a credit card-sized uh, USB drive. It's a, like kind of 
folds out and flips around and then you stick it in your computer. Um, and that gives you high quality MP3s of all four albums. So if you buy it on the USB drive, you don't have to re-download them all. You'll have them all right there. And if you don't so want to awesome. buy anything, the Anarchist <laughs> Joke Book is on Spotify, but the bonus albums are not. Ah. So <laughs> if you want the bonus albums, you must give me money. <laughs> now, before we go, I wanted to ask you about this really cool song you wrote for the 26 and a half uh, CD tribute to Weird Al. And that is Weird oh, right. Al didn't write this song. Yes. So um, that was inspired because if, if you guys remember back in the days of Napster, there were hundreds, if not thousands of parodies on Napster that were not recorded by Al that were credited to Al and usually misspelled uh, right. his name <laughs> right. in, in very creative <laughs> ways. This song was basically me venting about that because like if any, if you if you know Al's music even a little bit you know he doesn't work explicitly you know he doesn't do anything horribly offensive and I heard the worst most offensive songs and they were all credited to Wired All Yankovic and, <laughs> and I was like okay, okay you, you people really are that stupid so I I did the song just venting about how Al wouldn't have recorded these songs. He didn't record these songs. He records in a studio, people. If it sounds like it was recorded, <laughs> it wasn't Al. You know, and then I, I go into a rant about how we spell his name and stuff. And the song ends with, with um, something that was inspired by a true story. So my song, uh, the number one song of 2005 on the Dr. Demento show was a song I did with Worm Quartet called Inner Voice. And Adam Sandler apparently also has a song called Inner Voice. So... I found my recording of Inner Voice credited to Adam Sandler on Napster. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not even good enough to be miscredited to Weird Al. I'm like, I have to be, I have to be miscredited to Adam Sandler. Of all people, Adam Sandler. Like, if they miscredited my song to Al, I would have been flattered. But no, had right. to be Adam Sandler. <laughs> That's so that's so that's how that song came about. And, and when when they put out the call for that tribute album, I, I knew that I knew immediately that's what I wanted to do for it. That's so great. <laughs> so Devo, for for more information and to get your music and and learn everything about all your side projects and your podcasts, we can head over to devospice.com. Of course, thefump.com for the, the free, funny music and all those great compilation albums, including the one that Dave's on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there's just there's so much thank you so much for coming on the podcast this is so much fun uh chatting with you oh thanks for having me this has been great we had so much fun talking to devo spice and ethan i'm so glad that you got to perform with him and i'm so glad i got to see him perform at the alcons okay ethan let's bring out our next guest we're very excited to welcome to the program he's a comedy musician and a big fan of weird al please welcome derwood bowen hello everybody hello derwood very nice to have you on. It's is uh, this has been a long time coming. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. So this is really exciting because what you did is you realized that Even Worse does not have a polka, so you wrote a polka for Even Worse. Yes. What I did was I hit up Wikipedia and looked up songs that were. Uh, popular throughout 1987, which is the year between the release of Polka Party and the uh, release of Even Worse. Based on that, I picked out, like, what are some of the, like, most well-known songs. Like, 
I didn't necessarily take like the year-end Billboard countdown and go one through ten, but I did like songs that like are still like well known even to today, and uh, songs that basically had a long-lasting legacy. Also took suggestions from people as well. I think that's a great way to do it because you know when you do hear Al songs, you hear a lot of recognizable songs in the polka, but it's not necessarily like you said the top ten songs of the year. He takes, you know, he really takes care to pick out songs that are going to work well and i think you did a great job emulating that thank you i tried to keep to a spirit of authenticity and uh picking songs out for example like when i uh suggested it to uh the facebook group that we're in of weird al fans there were people that pointed out well hey like these bands or these artists al did try to get permission and they said no so i specifically did not do songs by artists who had said no to Al for other things for that album. Oh, interesting. Just to keep the uh, spirit of authenticity. <laughs> I love that. I will talk about the songs that made it into the polka, but what were some of the songs that didn't make it into the polka? Faith by George Michael was one of them. Yeah, I had read someone said that George Michael uh, had denied him permission to do a parody of that song. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't remember what the parody was. I'd have to go back to the post and look. But yeah, that was rejected for that reason. And I think I also read that they were actually going to do a polka for that album, but it was going to be all U2 songs, and U2 denied them permission for that. So that's why I didn't include any U2 songs. Ah, yes, that infamous, very popular, rumored U2 polka song. (laughs) That we all want to hear if it somehow exists somehow. Maybe it's out there somewhere. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Obviously, they lightened up a decade later when they allowed him to do uh, Cavity Search. Right. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, there were those. And that was, of course, people informing me that they had directly denied permission for those. Of course, the other one that was on the list that was like, well, obviously, because the artist, I ain't doing that one, was Sign of the Times by Prince. No. We all know Prince was famous for uh, not wanting other people to mess with his songs. Among other things, of course. Right. <laughs> all right. So, Derwood, you hit many of the biggest artists from, you said, 1987. You know, you hit R.E.M., you hit Billy Ocean, you hit NXS, you had Def Leppard on there, you had Bon Jovi, you Whitney Houston. I mean, you don't get much bigger than those <laughs> names. <laughs> right. And I think you did a great job picking out the songs. I mean, some of the songs, like The One I Love by R.E.M., I love that song, not just because it has the word love in it, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when I was listening to this polka, I was like, I know exactly what this song is. Every song in there, I knew exactly what it was. So I got to commend you. You did a great job picking out the songs for that album. Thank you. Some of them are just really funny. Like, I love that, you know, you put Pour Some Sugar on me in there, and I love Wanted Dead or Alive. And then I love the way you ended it. You ended it with the song from the end of the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, I've Had the Time of My Life, which is a yep. great ending to that song. I try to be like pretty intentional about the order of how I did things, what I thought would flow well together. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Did you have anything specifically in mind when you put these songs in this order? I was just basically trying to think, well, how is this going to like flow together, figure out the best order to do things. Primarily, uh, one of the biggest things that came into uh, putting the order of the songs was Al's polkas you know, start out very upbeat, fast-paced, and then there's always that section in the middle that's kind of that little breakdown. You got that... 
do 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 or whatever. So, and then after a couple songs in that, then it goes back to the fast, upbeat sort of thing. So, uh, primarily, what I tried to do was pick okay, what songs on this list would go best in that sort of breakdown section, and then uh, from there, kind of put the rest around that. And found that Pour Some Sugar on Me and Wanted Dead or Alive worked really well during that little breakdown bit. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Now, I don't know if I want to spoil it, but there is one song in here that is my favorite part of the whole polka. And (laughs) maybe we can just play a clip of that for our audience right now. Never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down, never gonna run around and Never gonna make you cry, never gonna say goodbye, never gonna tell a lie and hurt you. I wanna dance with somebody. <laughs> I love that you put that song in there. <laughs> yeah. You totally rickrolled us. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny though, because it's like that song would not have had the same impact back in. Uh, 1988 when uh even worse came out right the way it does now <laughs> right because it was not the internet pop culture like <laughs> phenomenon that it was until like 2007 since you put this together in current times it's really fun that you're able to go back and add that one in yeah thing is though i think together forever might have been the bigger hit from that album but i just kind of Went with uh, never going to give you up anyway. I think a good artistic choice was made there. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was uh, someone else's suggestion. And originally I wasn't going to just because it was, you know, okay, yeah, he just rickrolled us. But uh, (laughs) then when I got it as a suggestion, I'm like, okay, well, someone wants it. All right. Now, Derwood, do I have this correct? You actually have never officially released this song. You put it out there just for some Al fans, but is this on any of your albums? It is not. I'm currently, like, not big enough to go out and, like, pay all the royalties. (laughs) Understood. (laughs) (laughs) I live by myself in a uh, two-bedroom apartment uh, working full-time as a warehouse worker. So you're not going to be paying R.E.M. and Bon Jovi at this time, is what you're saying. (laughs) I'm extremely grateful that my uh, bank account has a comma in it without a dash in front of it. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) It might have been an even bigger bank account, but I'm divorced, so. Ah. (laughs) Well... I appreciate that you took the time and the effort to put together something truly remarkable, something that really captured the spirit of what Al would have done had he created a non-YouTube-based polka for even worse. Yeah, it was just kind of an idea that I was like, hey, well, I wonder what this would have been. All right, so Ethan, I know that you and I have not heard the YouTube polka, but... If you were to put up the YouTube polka, the rumored YouTube polka, up against Durwood's Polka Mania, which one do you think you would rather hear on even worse? Oh, boy. So would Derwood be singing or would Al be singing in this hypothetical? Because <laughs> <laughs> Derwood, would be there's singing. no knock on you. I just, if Al's singing something, I got to go with Al. Right. 
<laughs> well, I mean, Al would be singing both of them, right? Because Al probably would be singing the, the U2 polka. But I think Durwood would have a cameo in his okay, own polka. Okay, So Al would be singing most of it, but Durwood would have a cameo versus the rumored U2 polka. I would take right. polka mania all day, every day. No, no question. Yeah. I'm kind of in agreement there. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, I good. Mean, <laughs> no, nothing, nothing against U2. It's just... I like the polka medleys when they're like a diverse collection of different artists, which is why I was not quite as fond of the Hot Rocks polka from UHF as I was of like his others. Well, plus you'd be getting royalties, I would assume, if you're singing on an Al <laughs> song and you get to time travel and there's a lot of great elements there. So, yeah, I think that's a smart choice, Dave. Are you in agreement yep. with uh, oh, Derwood? I, I love this uh, Polka Mania Polka. I really wish it was on the album. So I'm, I totally agree with both of you. Well, maybe we need to start a petition. Let's get Al to uh, <laughs> record a cover of Derwood's cover of <laughs> these songs. <laughs> I'm down with that. We're just going to retcon even worse. And, uh... <laughs> I think this polka fits a nice hole because, like you said, there was no polka on Even Worse. The last polka was on Polka Party, and, and the polka that was out on UHF was all one artist, the Rolling Stones. So this is a nice, perfect fit with just the multiple different artists. And we can check you out, Derwood, at derwoodbowen.bandcamp.com, and you have many albums available there. So we we'll definitely want our listeners to check that out as well. Yep. And we can also find some songs on thefump.com. Yeah, I'm mostly on uh, the Fump Sideshow, but I did manage one song on the main page, which was a song called The Boss Man Knows What You Did on His Day Off. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's a song that's basically about being a boss, catching your employees, not doing what they're supposed to do or doing something they're not supposed to do and firing them. And it's a parody of my songs, Know What You Did in the Dark by Fallout Boy. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) So we can find that. We can find you in the sideshow on thefump.com. Derwood, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for creating this true work of art, Polka Mania. You're welcome. Glad to have brought it to you. Thanks so much to Derwood for recording that song and coming on the podcast. I can't believe the amount of work that went into a song that he never expected to even release. Our next guest has a pretty cool specialty. He puts a unique twist on Weird Al's already weird music. On the line, we have a man who was inspired by Al to record an entire album of heavy metal covers of Weird Al songs. Ethan, you and I know him as Chad Kelson, but he also goes by the name Metal Al. Welcome, Chad, or should I call you Metal Al? Uh, Chad's fine. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Chad, it's so great to chat with you. We got to meet you back in Cleveland on the Strings Attached Tour. Yeah, that was a great show. It was really awesome to meet you, and thank you very much for the great CDs you gave us. I have been loving Dare to be Metal. It was a uh, work of love and passion. <laughs> and it just came out this year, right? Uh, yeah, earlier this year. I'm already working on my the second album. So I got um, three songs done on that. I'll, I'll just end up keep recording songs until I feel like it's finished, like the first <laughs> album was. <laughs> Now, the first album has six different cover songs on it. Dare to be Stupid, One More Minute, Eat It, Trigger Happy, Happy Birthday, and Nature Trail to Hell. How did you end up choosing these six songs? 
So the first one was Dare to be Stupid. I just was learning how to play it, and I noticed that the D chord is used a lot in the song. In a, a normal standard tuning of a guitar, it's uh, the low, the sixth string, the low is an E. But if you tune it down to a D, it gives you kind of a more of a heavy metal sound. <laughs> Once I realized that this chord was used a lot in the song, I, I was like, oh, I could tune this down and like get real heavy with it. So I did that, and I was like, that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> and then it just kind of snowballed where I was like, what other songs can I do this with? <laughs> Oh my god. So really, it was just you wanted to play Dare to be Stupid regular, and you figured out that you could make it this awesome death metal version. Yes, yeah. I was really surprised how well One More Minute is, it's such a metal song, the lyrics. That's my favorite one that I did, because it's such a transformation from the original. A lot of these those style parodies, One More Minute, Trigger Happy is another one. You almost have to like completely redo the song because it's already in one style. The uh, like like Happy Birthday, Nature Trail to Hell, those are already like kind of rock punk songs. So those ones weren't as hard to like switch over. But one more minute was that was quite a uh, feat to transform it. So I'm actually really proud of that one. <laughs> and I love the juxtaposition of Trigger Happy. The surf music turns into this heavy metal song, and the lyrics they fit a heavy metal song. It's perfectly oh yeah trigger happy was really good how it worked <laughs> worked out now were you trying to channel any particular heavy metal artist or sound when you were doing these songs or is this just all chad kelson originals so yeah some of my influences is uh the dillinger escape plan they're probably my favorite metal band so i, I kind of like try to lean towards that more like grindcore bands uh the locust to give it those kind of like high like scratchy guitar sounds i would actually say it's more like it's closer to hardcore music than metal music but hardcore al just didn't sound as cool so i was like metal al sounds better so, so I, I stuck with metal al but yeah i would say like dillinger escape plan oh, oh every time i die is another band that i like a lot that kind of influences the way that i like those are the bands that i would go to to like try to like think of like all right if so they play a verse this way so if i were to take that song and try to replicate that verse and this style then this is how i would do it i like how nature trail to hell is you know that song has always meant to be a metal song so i like how you did that one i'm glad it was included on the list what were some other ones that you were considering for the first album i mean the first album was pretty straightforward i would just so I, I'll listen to like a, a song, a Weird Al song, and I'll just by listening to it, I can be like, oh, this one would be a good candidate because of the way that the verse is broken up and I can change it to this kind of beat. So the first album, I pretty much just did the songs that I felt like doing. And then so <laughs> okay. this new one that I'm working on, this new one I'm working on, I'm kind of listening to other ones that I can use. What's the decision process like? The decision process? Yeah, when you're listening to songs, is it like, all right, I want to get a song that, you know, I want to get Weasel Stomping Day. I want to get something that really is, you know, an out there song and it has to do with death and killing. You know, is that like what you're looking for? Or is it like, oh, you know, I really want to find something like, I don't even have a great example. Harvey the Wonder Hamster. Harvey the Wonder. What a great example. <laughs> <laughs> 
I am actually leaning towards more his non-parodies, his original songs. The only reason I included the parody in Dare to be Metal, which is Eat It, is because I really like that riff. And I thought it was a very cool uh, riff that I was like, oh, this can kind of sound pretty metal. So that was the only reason I included (laughs) that. But because I included that one, I'm like, well, going forward... Maybe I should include one parody for every album and then just do all originals for the rest of the albums. The parody is your polka medley, is what you're saying. Almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but in this next album, I wanted to do multiple parodies in one and call it a heavy medley. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't quite nailed it yet, but I, that's what I've kind of been working on for my parody for the next album. <laughs> oh, I love that idea so much. <laughs> but yeah, I really just kind of listen to some of the originals, and it's just kind of how the verses really break down and how the chorus, and if I can just envision when I go to work on this song, how can I break it down to change it? into a metal version so the one i'm working on right now is you don't love me anymore oh nice uh, which is all it's all acoustic (laughs) so it's i can really you know i can really play with it because all i need to know is the chords and since it's all acoustic i can do some wild stuff with it so i've been trying to work that one that's awesome and of course you can end it with smashing a guitar (laughs) yes (laughs) yes just gotta pick out which guitar you want to (laughs) smash Now, besides Metal Al, are you involved in any other bands? Yeah, I actually play guitar in a pop punk band called The Catchwords. Cool. So when you say pop punk, how would you describe that for people who don't know what that means? <laughs> the easiest thing would be uh, Blink-182 or Fallout Boy. Okay. Our band is not quite like them. Uh, we're, we're closer to a band called Jeff Rosenstock, but he's not as well known as Blink-182, so people don't really, you know, when you say, oh, we kind of sound like this band, people will be like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I, I just tend to say it's it's similar to Blink-182. It's just kind of like those major chords and kind of that poppy sound to a punk rock instead of just like a hardcore punk band like, um, like The Unseen or The Casualties. Does the band The Catchwords cover any al song not right now i've been trying to rally that real hard and i keep getting turned down <laughs> i keep trying to do dare to be stupid because i i think it would turn into a good punk song as well totally and uh they keep turning me down though <laughs> <laughs> well we have faith in you we want you to keep pushing because we want to hear that <laughs> punk version of dare to be stupid we do cover a devo song already so i'm already like come on man oh so you're halfway there yeah pretty right. much have it <laughs> I just found out the other day that Brian Posehn, he's a comedian, he's coming out with a metal album, and Al is going to be one of the guests on the album. So my question to you is, if you could do a duet or have Al on any song, which song would you choose to have Al perform with you? Oh, man. To make it easier, let's say one of the songs from Dare to be Metal, one of those six. Probably either Dare to be Stupid or Trigger Happy, I think, out of those two, yeah. I think Sick of You, I'm So Sick of You on Bad Hair Day, I think that would be a cool one to have out. Oh, yeah, that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for those of you who have not heard Metal Al, you can head over to metalal.bandcamp.com and you can download the full album, all six songs. And I assume once you do release the next album, we can also get it at metalal.bandcamp.com. Yeah, it will be on the same site. 
and it's, it's all free because i'm just i just do it for the fun of it it's just something that i have fun doing the kill time and it's a very niche sound that <laughs> yeah <laughs> not a whole lot of people are really looking for <laughs> Not a whole lot of people are going out to make it, so I really felt that if I wanted to hear it, then I would have to make it myself. Well, let's give the audience a taste of Metal Al's cover, One More Minute. Chad, thank you so much for joining us in the podcast. Keep making these awesome songs, and we will keep listening to them. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Again, a big thank you to Chad, Derwood, and Devo Spice for sharing their amazing music and talent with us. We know there's so many more amazing artists out there who were inspired by Al. That's right, Dave. We love seeing art and music and everything inspired by Al. So if you are one of those people... Definitely share it with us. Send it to us on social media. You know, we're at 2000inch. Call 347spatula. Dave and I love seeing your art, hearing your cool music, and anything else inspired by Al. Ethan, can you believe it's been a year since we had the idea to do this podcast? It feels like 27 years, Dave. I can't believe (laughs) it's only been a year. We've had so much fun this past year, haven't we, though? It's been such a blast. It's been a whirlwind. We've gotten to talk to so many great people. We've gotten to have so many great experiences. What a great year 2019 has been. This has been such an amazing year with the Strings Attached Tour, meeting so many of our fans and friends, and, of course, the launch of our podcast. Our very first episode, Ethan, May 8th, 2019. That was episode one inch with the great Jim Kima West. What an amazing first episode, Dave. And then, of course, we kept the tradition going. Less than a month later, we launched our first centimeter episode when you and Jackie reviewed Clearwater. And then it was about another month later, July 12th, where we launched our first centimeter episode with me on it, Dave. And we went on to record so many more of those after that one in Cleveland. We got to talk to Jonah Ray on 15 Inch on August 14th. And of course, you and I are going to be talking to him again on January 25th when we do a live screening of UHF with him at Proctor's in Schenectady. Can you believe, Dave? On September 11th on 19 Inch, we got to talk to Portugal the Man and they tweeted about our episode and then Al retweeted their tweet about our episode. (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) And one of the most memorable podcast episodes in the entire world happened on november 6th oh yeah that's episode 27 inch with john bermuda schwartz he brought with him some very rare never heard before audio from his archives oh it was so amazing to get to hear all those beautiful rare clips and of course throughout 2019 we had so many other amazing incredible guests head over to 2000inch.com or head over to itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and you can listen to any that you missed or maybe you just want a refresher dave our intern frank put together some really interesting facts about the last year of podcast episodes you know we like to joke around about having spreadsheets tracking the color of weird al's drink that kind of thing we're going to read down the list of white and nerdy facts that our intern frank compiled for us We had four different guest co-hosts on our various centimeter episodes. 
We had 33 different human guests on our inches. That doesn't include the callers. We had two different canine guests. That is dogs on our inch <laughs> episodes. <laughs> and the number of human guests we had on our centimeters, that doesn't include the co-hosts. That's 16. Whoa. And you know how many canine guests we had on our centimeter episodes? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> We've had three guests named either Dave or David on the podcast. Not including you, Dave or David. (laughs) (laughs) And you know how many guests we had named Frank? Just one. And you know how many guests we've had named Ethan? Again, zero. (laughs) Dave, if I sat down and I listened to every single full episode, every inch episode from one inch to last week's 33 inch, how long would it take me? It would take you over 30 hours. That's one day, six hours, 51 minutes, and 28 seconds. And that doesn't include this episode. <laughs> and if I wanted to listen to every single centimeter episode up through 24 centimeter, back to back, how long would that take? That would take you 21 hours, 28 minutes, and 8 seconds. Okay, okay. What if I wanted to listen to Every inch episode, every centimeter episode, and then I subscribed to Patreon, and I also wanted to listen to every secret episode. How long would it take me to listen to everything we've put out? If you sat down and listened to them straight through, it would take you two days, five hours, 43 minutes, and 35 seconds. You know, Dave, I can't think of a better way that they could have spent two days, five hours, 43 minutes, and 35 seconds in the past year. And coming up in 2020, we have even more top five lists. We have more with our collections and more great interviews with the likes of Jonah Ray, Tad Dow, Jimmy Z, MG Kelly, Lisa Popeil, and much, much more. And much, much less of our intern Frank. We definitely want to thank all of our listeners and especially those listeners who subscribe. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. It really means a lot to us. If you've listened this far in 34 episodes, you might as well subscribe. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on Atari 2600 cartridge. We're everywhere you can stream podcasts. The only way that you can make sure to get our latest episodes the second it drops is if you subscribe we recently posted 24 centimeter about our adventures in vancouver and it's our longest strings attached to our bonus episode to date not necessarily ever but to date (laughs) and this one was a blast to listen back to and of course we got to relive all of our first day in canada and don't forget, we post a brand new full inch episode every Wednesday. And I know there are plenty of listeners out there who subscribe and do listen to Second Age Drops. <laughs> <laughs> we also want to encourage our listeners to head on over to patreon.com slash 2000 inch, where you can find out how to sponsor the podcast and see everything we've posted so far. Those are secret episodes. Those are promos. Those are great pictures. And you also get access to all of our bonus episodes, which are posted over on patreon.com slash 2000 inch first so you definitely want to head over there and check out everything and find out how you can support us while you're there as well dave you know our friend allison who is on for the off the deep end top five i sure do allison recently became a month-long sponsor of our podcast over at patreon.com slash 2000 inch anyone can be a sponsor dave you don't need a business like our friends at burrito burrito to do it and you know what it's only 35 dollars for a whole month of inch episodes what a deal that is such a great deal and that is so cool we're so thrilled to welcome allison to our sponsorship family welcome allison so what's she sponsoring dave 
This week's episode brought to you in part by Allison's Party Hats. That's right, one party hat for every single occasion. You can wear it to a Weird Al concert. You can wear it to a kid's birthday party. You can wear it to an adult's birthday party. You can wear it to your cousin's wedding. You can wear it to your cousin's cousin's wedding. You can wear it to your cousin's gerbil's wedding. You can wear it when you fly across the country. You can wear it when you drive across the country. You can wear it when you take a train across the country. You can wear it on a cruise ship. Random people will stop you and wish you a happy birthday, and that's when the real fun begins. Allison's Party Hats are available wherever party supplies are sold. Ask for it by name. Warning, you may not wear this hat at your own 50th birthday party. I'm totally going to get one and wear it on New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's Eve, Ethan. Oh yeah, we forgot to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Not this again. We want to remind everyone about our live interview one month from today, day of release of episode 34 inch, is our live interview with Jonah Ray and screening of UHF on Saturday, January 25th at Proctor's in Schenectady, New York. For tickets and all the info, you can visit uhf.2000inch.com. So make sure you get those tickets now before it's too late. And also, Ethan, you will be performing comedy with Jonah as well. That's on Thursday, January 23rd. You guys will be in North Adams, Massachusetts. And on Friday, January 24th, you'll be in Glens Falls, New York. And the next night, the 25th of January, Saturday, January 25th, the same venue that we're having the UHF screening with Jonah Ray at, you will also be performing comedy with Jonah Ray. That's Proctor's in Schenectady, New York, right after the show. I am so excited about that. Can't wait to see you and all the listeners there. And I hope Frank comes. <laughs> Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at 2000 inch and of course check out our patreon we also have a free facebook group and our website is 2000 inch.com you can get the latest episode information about our guests and every back episode including the bonus episodes remember on social media to use hashtag 2000 inch and gill and chill whenever you post and don't forget to give us a call at 347-772-8852 if only there was some way i could remember that number oh look there is it's called 347 spatula leave us a message any time of the day or night share with us some stories about how al inspired you we love hearing from our listeners and we might even play your message on the air Next year promises to be a super exciting one for the podcast. There's so much that I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing you again next year, Dave. Oh, me too. I'm looking forward to seeing myself next year as well. That was Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 34 Inch.